Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Well, we have a very interesting guest with us today, and his name is Nico Logan, and we will talk here in just a minute. We, Nico and I have already been talking for a few moments, and <laughs> this is going to be fun. I'm excited about this. Now, Nico has been featured in Times Square. He's an entrepreneur, author, men's coach, and host of the controversial podcast, The Nico Logan Show. With more than 100,000 followers, his content currently has between 5 and 10 million monthly views, leading him to appear on TV, radio, and podcasts like Sean Kelly's Digital Hour. With over 300 appearances under his belt, both as a guest and as a host, Nico's story is both inspiring and enlightening. Growing up without a masculine figure in his life, Nico idolized the wrong men. So, before making the shift to who he is now, he lived a life as an addict and a drug dealer. Nico, welcome to Phoenix and Flame. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> now, you are sharing that masculinity is under attack in today's society, and you fearlessly champion strong men. Now, others might see your content as blunt, unapologetic, and controversial, and that is exactly why you're sitting here talking with me right now. <laughs> that's very because... a, that's a very polite way to say it because that is not how people call me. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, people that know me know that I'm very direct, blunt. Yeah. I just want to say things that are true and real and have honest conversations about mm -hmm. things going on in the world. So... If you wouldn't mind, just kind of give us a backstory about what your life was like, because the nature of Phoenix and Flame is about those of us who have gone through fire, hence mm. the flame. And I'm interested yep. in what that was like for you. And then the transformation when you become a phoenix and you rise out of the ashes and what that was like for you. If you could just start there, and then we've got all kinds of interesting things to cover. Let's say that it's it wasn't a one-time thing. I'm going through it right now. Like I, I tend to go through very drastic changes about every 10 years. Like it's, it's almost a conscious decision. It's not, but almost is. Like I can predict it. Every 10 years, something big is going to happen. I'm going to completely change the way I am, my views of the world will evolve and I will start over as a phoenix would. Um, the first time it happened, though, what you're referring to happened to me in my early 20s when my dad left. I was 14 years old. My parents got divorced. My dad disappeared. I saw him a handful of time by the time he died, which was I think I was 29 years old when he died. He left. I was 14. Last time I saw him, I was 19 or 20. So it all almost been 10 years since the last time I saw him. And I only saw him every night and then 
because he basically moved out, changed complete. Imagine going from living from New York to going to live to Los Angeles while your kids are still in New York. So that's basically what happened. And, you know, as a man, as a boy, you, you need strong male figures to kind of mold you, teach you, show you what it is to be a man which is why for the longest time we had rites of passages that were dedicated to men ran by more mature men in a way that would make sense to boys. Because as I, as I always say, men are not born, they're made. And we're made through trials and tribulations. We're made through having to go through tough things in order to forge character. Wisdom comes with time. And, you know, as Chris Rock says... Only women, children, and dogs are unconditionally love. Men are only love as long as they bring something to the table. And it's a fact. It's okay. Like, as a man, you need to accept this. It is the way it is. As funny as Chris Rock makes it sound, it's not a joke. But at the same time, that, that, that just shows us that men are supposed to build up to something. We're supposed to have... You know, the, the best way, we're supposed to have virtues. We're supposed to have morality. We're supposed to forge a character that will bring something. And this is what I was lacking when I was that age. So at 14, when my dad left, not that he was super present prior to that. And again, I don't know if you like philosophy, but this is something that I've pondered quite often. Is it worse to have a father that's not there or have a father that's not present? Mm. I've pondered that quite. I don't have an answer. It's philosophy at this point. There's no way for me to know which one's better, which one's worse. But mm -hmm. all to say that he wasn't present when I was younger. And then eventually he just left. Within a year, I was out of school. I was selling drugs. I was an addict. I was drinking every day. I was an alcoholic. And I was on that path for six, seven years. And, you know, it doesn't take long for a boy to start idolizing the wrong people. If there's no male figure there, mm -hmm. you start idolizing people. And what did I know when I was 14 years old? I had no right. clue what a good man was. And, you know, to a point that my mother, within a year or two, she was, she found another man and one of the greatest men I've ever met, but I was too, it was too late. I wasn't mm -hmm. listening anymore. Like that mm -hmm. year completely sent me on a different track where I didn't care. I knew better. I was smarter than everybody else around me. I knew. I knew what life was all about, right? And I idolized guys that sold drugs. I idolized guys that were always partying. I idolized guys that were rapping. So guess what? That's what I did. That's all I could concentrate on. And everything that did not have to do with this, I wasn't interested anymore. But before you know it, I was an addict. Before you know it, I'm selling drugs. Before you know it, I'm a thief. Before you know it, I'm just not a good person. And in my early 20s, I got a call from, like, I moved out, just to put it in perspective, I moved out, I was 17 years old, and I was probably 20, 21 by then, sitting on the, on my apartment floor, I was literally getting evicted again, because all I did is party, so I was not the nicest tenant, let's say that as somebody that rents, I would never have rented to me. <laughs> <laughs> I would never have my old self as a tenant. I can guarantee you that. And, 
you know, I was getting evicted and I'm, I'm literally sitting on my floor with all my boxes around me. And my mother called me and she had a very simple, and she, she had no idea what was going on. Like I, she had an idea of what I was up to, but she did not know that that day I was getting evicted. She had no idea what was actually going on that day. And, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. I stopped believing in coincidences that day. And she just called me asking if I was happy. And it's an interesting question because I was facing a decision. I was either losing my apartment, but very soon I was getting an upgrade in my life. I was, I had been proposed a new career, I guess, instead of selling, I would have been taught how to produce it. So I was stepping up in the world as per what I saw it back then. So sitting, literally sitting at a crossroad, I'm like, what do I do? I got an opportunity to grow what I'm doing. And then on the other hand, I have my mother that's tell, that's asking me a very existential question that's very simple when you think about it. Not an easy to not an easy question to answer, but it's mm-hmm. simple. Are you happy? And then she continued by saying, you know, if you want to come back home, you can. I can't support you. I can't, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to do something. You're not going to just sit here and do nothing. But if you want to go, if you want to come home, I'll give you a roof, like a roof over your head. And that same day I took a decision. I moved back to my mother's place. Within a matter of days, I cut ties with everybody that was in my life at that point. I started going to NA meetings, to AA meetings within, literally within the, the last of two years, I had stopped doing drugs. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't smoking anymore. I was, I had gone back to school, did my high school equivalency, did an 18 months in a technical college, started working out, discovered martial art. Like it's. Let me pause you for just a moment because your story is amazing and I want to really kind of unpack it slowly and hover over this a moment because I'm thinking about people that might be listening who either Mm -hmm. are in that space that you just described or they know someone or they love someone who is Mm -hmm. in that space. I'm kind of wondering when you're there and you were getting ready to go into the production side of drugs, right? Mm-hmm. Which would be a, a, a an elevation from selling, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's just the truth of it. Yeah. So why at that point did you decide to move back in with your mom? What accountability it's, this is where I was going with this is all I was going to say is that Within the last of about two years, I completely, completely changed my life from a complete 180. And the reason being is when my mom asked me if I was happy, I was ready to to hear it. One of the things that is not taught anymore, but is one of the universal truth is pain and suffering are the best of teachers. The, the, this is why they always say that the the comfort zone is a killer. They never explain why. They just say that, oh, because blah, blah, blah. No. The reason the, the comfort zone is so dangerous is you're not hurting enough to change. You're still, you're still somewhat comfortable. Your problems are not heavy enough to force you to make a life and death situation 
so you just are complacent and you continue doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And until I was faced there, so I'm faced with an eviction, I, but I'm also faced, this is not even, yes, becoming homeless is not something that I wanted, but the hurting part is when my mom asked me such a simple question, yet an existential question, how many people do ask themselves that question? Most people do, but how many people are honest enough with themselves to answer it and to do something about it? Because most people are not happy. Most people are not happy in their lives. They just, they're comfortable. They don't think they can achieve more. So they just are complacent. They do whatever it is. And then they're going to wake up when they're 70 years old and they're going to wonder what happened to me. Do you they're, feel like most people don't do anything about that because they're not in enough pain? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like think, so there are studies that came out where they went and spoke to people on their deathbed and they asked a very simple question. What's your biggest regret? And you know what the number one regret is for the dying? What? Living the life others expected of them and not living the life they wanted to live. That's mm -hmm. number one. And this, when you think, and I've known this for 20 years. And as soon as I heard this, I'm like, oh, hell no. This is never going to be me. This is not going to be me. Absolutely not. So that, that's the thing. When you're hurting, you're I was already in a questioning state of mind. I was already in a place where I did not know what to do. There was already an existent, an existential question, like question or situation. I already knew there was something I needed to figure out. And this is when you're ready to, to actually listen. When you're hurting, you hit rock bottom. You're in a point like to put it into context. I, I wasn't just working a nine to five regularly like everybody. And I didn't like my life. No, no. I was a thief. I was an, I was a drug dealer. I was an addict. I was not a good person. I was an a-hole. I was not a good person. I stole from the people that I love. I caused pain to the people around me and having somebody like my mother that approached me in a way where it was not judgmental. She did not attack me because my mother and I just FYI, we don't talk anymore. Like her and I are on two completely different spectrum. As soon as you start pursuing what you're supposed to be doing and you're not going to apologize for it, you're going to hurt a lot of people around you. You hurt their fragile ego and that's what's going on. FYI. But I still, you know, as the Bible says, you don't have to love your parents but you're supposed to respect them. You're supposed to honor your parents and honor means you respect them. So I do respect my mother and I'll never forget all the things that she's done for me. That being one of them, because the way she approached it was not the way we've spoken before. She really approached it in a way where she was not preaching. She simply asked me a question and gave me a solution that I've never considered until that point, until she pointed out that I had a different path that I could go down. I had no idea. To me, it was just, I was continuing on the path I was on because this is where I was and I never questioned it. Mm -hmm. I never understood. I never realized that there was a different life that I could live. And I was never asked. I was just in a point where I was ready to listen. And 
you know, to this day, I'm extremely hard-headed. You know, I was just saying this on a podcast <laughs> yesterday, how if I look at my life, I've always had an extremely, extremely good instinct. Every time I was wrong is when I did not listen mm. to my instinct. Like, you know, I don't know your audience, how they are, but I'm, I'm a Christian. So I, I, I realize it now what it is, but for 18 years, I did not realize what that was. It, I always thought is, like, oh, I have great instinct. I have great instinct. No, God talks to me. God has always talked to me. I'm very logical. So, and you don't talk to God with your logic. You talk to God with your heart. Once you are open, once your heart is open, you open a communication directly with God. And that's what I've called my instinct my whole life. And now that I know it's faith, it's not instinct, it's faith. But the point is that even back then I had it. So I took the decision right there. I do this all the time. I will be faced with a situation. I will take the decision on the spot. And then logically, later on, I will try to explain it and make sense of my decision. But my instinct that day was to simply say, you know what? Go back home. And that's what I did. I, I didn't question it. Well, let me ask you this. Yep. In light of what you just shared, I'm, I'm curious about your path of this focus on societal views of, of masculinity and mm -hmm. also how that dovetails with why your podcast, why you describe your podcast as being controversial. Um, you know, I'm not the one that, that wrote that write up. I actually had, I, I work with a marketing company, so they're the one that wrote it. Uh, you, you just need to go check my comments. You'll understand why it's, why <laughs> I don't think that anything that I'm saying is controversial. It's just that if you live in a world where common sense and no long, is no longer common, everything you say is going to be controversial. Mm -hmm. I don't go on purpose, try to hurt people's feelings. But if what if if you think that I need to tiptoe around your feelings, you're sadly mistaken. Your feelings belong to you. And guess what? There's only one person that cares about your feeling. You. At the end of the day, nobody cares. Nobody. They might pet you and feel very bad for you, but it's all lies. They don't care. They're patting themselves on the back. Oh, I'm such a great person. I, I care about others. No, absolutely not. Learn to control your emotions. Because if okay. you don't, you're easily <laughs> controllable, right? So Yes, yes. Okay, I'm pausing you for a moment because <laughs> I I am known as the queen of boundaries. Yeah. And you my words are just coming out of your mouth right now because <laughs> we are all responsible for our own feelings. 100%. And so we have the right, and I could easily argue the responsibility to speak our thoughts and our mm -hmm. feelings in a respectful way. Yep. But to speak them and to speak them directly and how someone yep. else feels about that is yep. not our problem. And, you know, I would go even further than that. This is one of the things that I love about the U.S., your second, your, your first amendment, saying that you have free speech. Free speech does not mean that you're free of consequences. It simply means that you are free to say whatever you want. You know, I, I was reading a book and the guy was explaining how free speech is so important that it should be everywhere because you want to see the rise of the next Hitler. If you force people to hide what they have to say, they will do it behind closed doors. It will be secret. Nobody will see it coming. And it's extremely attractive to people to be part of something that's secretive. But if you give platforms like a public space, like social media, for example, 
and you encourage people to speak their mind, you can predict their pattern. I've always been a fan of giving a lot of rope for people to hang themselves. <laughs> but it's true. I'd much rather see give a platform that is free speech so that you can say whatever it is that you want to say. Because mm -hmm. I want to know who I'm dealing with. I want to know who I'm listening to. I want to know what, who and what you are. And if you have that platform, you'll feel very comfortable to do it. Yes. That and I, I want to pull in something you said a few moments ago when you said that, if I heard you right, you were talking about when you pursue a passion, when anybody decides to unapologetically mm -hmm. pursue yep. their passion, their their goal, their reason for living, that sometimes... That's going to mean that there are certain people that fall away, that don't like it, that yep. disagree, mm -hmm. that don't understand, and they they are no longer in your life. And you have to make that choice. Am I going to, like you said, am I going to live my life based on what others expect me to do? Or am I going to live it the way I feel like I should be living it, which might mean that other people don't like it and they might decide not to be in a relationship with us anymore. And that's exactly what I discovered when I was 20 years old. That's the first time I did it. I, I realized that day when I realized I was not a good person. My, I, I'm a very, you know, I was lied my whole life in school that I was stupid because I did not work into a, a box. And that day I realized that, you know, over the upcoming years, I realized I'm a lot smarter than the average person. I just don't learn the way average people do. My I'm very ADD my brain does not work like the average person. But that day it flashed into my brain. Everything came at the same time to say, you know what? You're not a good person. Face it. Your life sucks because of you. It's your fault. You have nobody else to blame for this than you. Sure, your card that you were given, you, you didn't choose them. But I chose to play those cards the way I did. Did my mom have an impact on the way? Of course, she should have taken more responsibility on a lot of things that happened to me. But at the end of the day, it was my fault. Absolutely my fault. And this, I realized that day, I became accountable to those things that day. And I realized if you're, I'm very logical and I'm good at removing my emotions from a situation and just say, okay, Let's step back, see it for what it is. Mm -hmm. If I accepted, if I accept the fact that I was not a good person, that means the person I hung out with were not good people either, because you are the sum of the five people closest to you. Now, what does that mean? Can I stop doing drugs if I'm still hanging out with drug addicts? Can I stop drinking if I'm always partying, if I'm always hanging out with people that are always going out? Can I go back to school if I'm hanging out with dropouts? No, of course not. So it only made sense that I had to remove those people. And, you know, in order to become selfless, you need to first be selfish. You need to think about yourself first. And then you can help others because you will show them the strength of character that it takes in order to become a leader. And, you know, this is what it comes down to. It's very logical for me to be able to say, I want this. I will make a list of all the people that are around me. I'll cut that page right down the middle and I will say, yes, no. D filter all those people through that list and say, are they going to, are they bringing me up or are they bringing me down? Because at the end of the day, every single person in your, in your life, you can categorize in two simple categories. Are they 
helping you get to where you want to go or are they preventing you from going there and unfortunately it's not a 50 50 split most people in your life are toxic for you and you don't even realize it and it again the the, the problem is that as soon as people hear toxic they're like oh that's so bad i don't have i don't have that type of people around me uh, yes you do that doesn't make them bad I'm not saying that those people are terrible people. I'm just saying that they're toxic to they're not a help. They're bringing you down to achieving whatever it is that you want to achieve. And mm-hmm. how important is your how important are your goals compared to simple relationships? And this is the question most people need to ask themselves. And that was the question I've asked myself 20 years ago. And I still ask myself this question all the time. And this is where you need to put it. Do you want to achieve? Yes or no? Yes, that's the price. That is one of the many prices. That's that's one of the many prices that you will pay. And unfortunately, some of the most toxic people you have in your life are family members. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate. How many times have you heard people take crap from the people in their families just because they're family members, they would never accept that from anybody else. But because they're their family members, they will accept that. That means that you're giving power, your power away to your family to do whatever it is that they can do for you without realizing that the energy that it's costing you, all that negativity is affecting every single aspect of your life. And that's coming from a place where I don't want to say hate, but uh, so I would say that it, it does come from hate because I can tell you, as the more I become successful, the more I become known, the more you can see crap from the people that I used to know. People online can't hurt my feelings. They don't know me. But you know what? Every now and then there's people I used to hang out with that pass comments privately to me. And I'm like, really? Oh, Really? This is what you have to say, considering you live in the same city that you used to live, hanging out with the same people you used to do 20 years ago, 10 years ago. And you're going to hate on me for moving, but yet you're going to support mega stars out there and you don't even know them and you don't even have the audacity to look at yourself in the mirror instead of criticizing me. This is what I find very interesting. But this, again, is the cost. This is what you have to pay for. Yeah, I agree with everything that you're saying in terms of, you know, setting boundaries and deciding what you want to do with your life and Mm -hmm. saying, okay, who's going to help me get there and who is not? And it's your choice. And there's no wrong answer, but there's no wrong answer. That's another thing. I'm sorry to cut you off, but when I say this, I'm making it sound extremely, I'm making it sound extreme. But at the end of the day, what do you want? Or do you want to be one of those people that will regret their lives? And I refuse to be that guy. I refuse categorically to live a life that others want me to live. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I listen to is my heart. If my heart, I'm, I've developed my mind, body, and spirit connection so much over the past 10 years that I know that my heart is always right. If my heart, I am a moral person. I know my heart is right. 
I will listen to it no matter how hard that path that it's putting me on will be. Well, and to your point, I think sometimes when we do eliminate certain people from our lives, especially when they are family, Mm. it does seem extreme. It seems extreme sometimes to us and sometimes it seems extreme to other people, but there's simply no other choice to make if you want to stay healthy and achieve the goals that God has set for you to achieve because the other person's toxicity will pull you down and prevent you from achieving what you need to achieve. Now, I noticed that faith was one of your, you have, you list out five virtues of a good man mm-hmm. and faith is one of them. I'm kind of interested in you sharing with my listeners, your five virtues of a good man and why you chose those. First, let me just say that all I talk about, I'm not coming up with any of it. This does not belong to me. Those are ancient virtues and conversations that Greek had 2,000 years ago. I'm not inventing anything here, but I'm a big fan of history. I read a lot, and I'm a big fan of Stoic principles. So the virtues that I'm going to talk about are based on my studies of Stoic principles. I basically just took them rebranding them in a way that would be more palatable for people today, that it would resonate with people today. So five virtues of a good man are courage, being a protector, being a provider, having temperance, and having faith. I'm still debating. I'm writing my second book right now, and I've had to take a break about two weeks ago because I'm I'm coming to a very big spiritual mental debate right now where I don't know which one comes first between courage and faith. I was just talking about this with my pastor two days ago or two days ago on Sunday, and he couldn't. He's, he was stumped. He's like, I don't know either. He so the way I know I've been explaining it is courage is the foundation to everything. It, it is your cellar, it is what your house resides on. This is what this is really what everything else is built on. You need to have the courage to do what needs to get done when it needs to get done. You need to be able to stand up to yourself, you need to be able to believe in yourself to have just the conviction to at least dream it all stems from there because you know can you be i I talk about the second one being protector can you really be a protector the protector that your family wants if you don't have courage because that means you're unpredictable if you don't have courage that means i cannot predict the way you're going to react in a bad situation So I can't depend on you. So can you really be, can I really, really be assured that you're dependable? No, because you're not courageous. So you might most like most people, you'll chicken out when the, when the situation gets tough. So I can't depend on you. So this is, those are the conversations I've had with myself to say that courage is everything. That's where it starts. Well, and Nico, let me ask you something because I know we're, we're running out of time, but when we were first talking before I hit record and you had shared that a lot of your listeners, most of them are men Mm -hmm. and you were kind of surprised in a way that here I was a female showing up wanting Mm -hmm. to have this conversation with you. And I'm wondering just 
getting your your brief take on what has the feedback been from females? Has there been pushback? Um, of course. What, what does that look like? There's a misconception in the world today that women believes that proning masculinity somehow takes away from women. Somehow by me saying that men needs to be strong, I'm trying to denigrate women. And it baffles me because men do not protect their women because they are weak. We protect our women because they are important to us. Like, you look at my girlfriend. My girlfriend's 110 pounds soaking wet. I'm 210 pounds. I'm literally twice her size. I have 20 years of experience in martial art. Who do you think is the best protector between the, the two of us? Me. Does that t- she could have the exact same experience as I do. I could still take her and destroy her because I have 110 pounds, 100 pounds more than her. Mm-hmm. So size, speed, bone density, I have a higher pain tolerance. Those all play a massive and of course not mentioning testosterone, but I, this all play a massive role and it's the gender roles that people are being are, 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 are not liking today because women are being told that they can achieve everything. And it's true. At the end of the day, you can achieve whatever you put your mind to. I don't care the sex that you are. Don't matter to me. You can achieve whatever you want. But there's a good reason why 92% of firefighters are men. About 90% of police officers are men. 85% of security agents are men. Why? Because men wants to protect. That's what we do. There's a good reason why 95% of the 20th most dangerous jobs are done by men. Not because they like it, just because they know that it pays better because they're a higher risk and they want to provide. But somehow this has been, by me saying this, it's saying that women need to be in the house cooking meals and popping babies. That this is where it's so skewed, yet studies will show you that women need to feel safe in order to be able to develop, to let their emotions go. They will not do so if they're not in a relationship where they feel safe or if they're not in an environment where they feel safe. So how is it that me as a man that I want to be able to provide that for my wife, for my kids, for my girlfriend to say that, you know what, let me provide you with all the protection for you that you need to feel safe. How about I provide you with all the necessities that you want to have so that you can teach our kids how to be emotionally intelligent because this is something that women succeed in. There's a good reason why 86% of nurses are women. And in Canada right now, as per the University of Ottawa, which is one of the biggest universities in Canada, the studies are showing that about 70% of the medical field, medical studies now, doesn't matter, just medical, not just nurses, everything are women. That makes sense to me. I I don't see a problem with that. It's the same reason why 90% of engineers are men. Men are extremely logical. Women are extremely emotional. But that means that women are more compassionate, 
They're more kind. They take care of people. That's what women do. Like I say this as a joke all the time with with men podcaster. Can you imagine carrying a baby for nine months and not wanting to kill it when it came out? And we're like, we're like, ha ha ha. Oh, sh- that's not really funny, but it's so true. Yet, look at women. Women are are, are going to describe this as the best, the best experience they've ever had. It's to a man that's insane. That's completely insane. But right. God made you. But God made women that way. There's a reason why you are the way you are, because it is part of your role. I can't create babies. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can participate. But I cannot bear life. I can't. I really, really can't. All right, Nico, I'm going to make a comment about this. And then I'm going to make sure that we get information to my listeners so they can get more access to you. I will say that as a strong woman myself, I had to have a mate. I had to have a husband who was stronger than me. Mm -hmm. And I, I was stronger, not necessarily physically, but intellectually and psychologically stronger than most males who would approach me, like in college and other such. And I would have nothing to do with them. If I, if I felt like I could sort of emotionally shove them to the ground, Mm -hmm. then I wanted nothing to do with them. I needed someone who was stronger than me so that I could go to a place where I could I couldn't push him around. I knew that I couldn't manipulate him. I couldn't push him around that. He was, I wanted someone who was smarter than me, who was stronger than me. Um, that, and this is just my personal, I have a right to my opinion and that's my opinion. That's who I wanted. I did not want someone who I could mentally figuratively shove around. Uh, that's not what I was looking for. And, um, so I, I did find my husband who was smarter than me, you know, he's, he's stronger than me. And that's what I wanted. So let me ask you. Just what before I have you do, I have a saying that I, I always say this. A man is a woman's rock while a woman is a man's weakness. Hmm. And, Interesting. But this is how women and men complement each other. Mm-hmm. You can live a life on your own not needing a man or a woman. Sure. I don't believe that you need to be in a, in a relationship in order to be fulfilled, but do we, are we supposed to go with each other? Absolutely. We were designed this way. We were designed like the yin and yang. We are two sides of the same coin. We're supposed to be polarized. We're supposed to be different. And it's a beautiful thing that needs to be embraced and not criticized because it is the way we were done. There's a reason why relationships, why marriages are ending 50% of the time. Mm -hmm. There's a valid reason for this because we don't embrace our differences. So, yeah, go ahead. And and appreciate the differences. Yeah, I I feel like, guys, I feel like... Nico, we could sit here. We could probably talk three more hours, I feel like, and just kind of yep. go back and forth. Unfortunately, yep. I have to wrap up the podcast for today. But what I have is Nico Login, N-I-K-O-L-A-G-A-N N-I-C-O. 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 Yeah. I'm sorry. No I think I, I saw C and said K. Yeah. N-I-C-O-L-A-G-A-N, NicoLogan.com. Mm-hmm. This is where my listeners can go. If they want to find more information about what you have to offer, is this correct? 
Yeah, all my social media is there. My books are there. Everything's there. Yeah. Okay, and I will put that on my show notes as well, so no worries. Nico, thank you so much for spending your valuable time and energy because I know you're so busy. You were sharing with that with me earlier today. You have you've been up since like three o'clock this morning. You have so much more to do. Thank you for spending your valuable time and energy with me and with my audience. Thanks for. You know, thank you for doing what you do. I I enjoy, it seems like women right now, you're the second podcast that I do with a woman in a week and I record about four or five a week. So no, I appreciate women like you reaching out, giving me an opportunity to explain this because we love women. We No man out there is doing this. I've never met a man that's consciously trying to oppress women. What we do is really just because we care. It would be so much easier to not do it. (laughs) (laughs) It would be so much easier not to want to do it. That is true. All right, listeners, I'll tell you what. I know you have heard something today, many things today, that you're thinking this is amazing and you want to share it. Put it on your favorite social media platforms Copy and paste it in a text. Copy and paste the links in your email, in your text. Spread the word. Get the word out about what Nico Logan has to say. Have a wonderful rest of your day. This is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.